0: and welcome to another episode of Female Guides Requested Podcast on Wednesday. This is your host, Tintin from Las Vegas. Our guest today is Selena Payne, another Vegas local, another Asian woman. I'm excited. I had so much fun chatting with Selena and dreaming together about novel possibilities of guiding. Selena grew up in Japan and started climbing in California in the 90s. According to her, it was an amazing era of climbing 30-something years ago. She raised her son as a single mom by being a dedicated yoga teacher and doing business in real estate in Austin, Texas. Only recently was she able to put climbing back in the center of her life. Around four years ago, she started exploring guiding as one of her career choices, she said that she still had lots to figure out in terms of how far she wanted to go on her AMGA track and how much physical load she realistically wanted to handle given her age and conditions. Her current goal on guiding is to mentor newer climbers, especially women, And she is constantly exploring ways to integrate climbing with yoga and, more importantly, other deeper aspects of life. Selena asked me once, how many people have said climbing has changed their lives? Well, quite many, including me. Which means guiding can also have quite many applications besides chasing summits, advancing technical skills. Now, let's enjoy Selena's rich life experience and Western together. Hi, Selena. Hi, Tintin. Thank you for letting me interview you and... you know, I have uh interview for women already, and they are all long-time guides. Right, right. So I think it would be pretty refreshing to give the listener a, a perspective for a newer yes, guide. Yes, yes. Um, is that correct? I call you a newer yes, guide? Yes, totally correct. Okay, yeah. so how long have you been guiding? Actually, have you guided?
1: Yeah, so I started with my um, SPI cert, back in 2019 2019 is, is Sep- that september well, I was there, the, that too? one yeah okay with the, that's the with the affinity group remember with elena and um tracy and erica yeah and totally you. that course you all the students we have four
0: instructors
1: there yeah yeah cool? it was great mm-hmm. i mean you know how often do you get an all-star team, four of them. <laughs> Thank you. Four, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. an SPI course. Never. So right. that was really cool. So wow.
0: Shortly, so that was
1: 2019. I think it was 2019. It, it's definitely before COVID. I know it was right. before COVID. Yeah. Oh, maybe it might have been 2018. Okay. So yeah. that was when my, um, yeah. So somewhere 2019 is when I got my SPI, and then. COVID was 2020. So 2019 is when I started working for REI, for the Austin REI, oh, for their okay. outdoor program. And that's like all single pitch. And, you know, Austin, we don't have any mountains. So right. we have these like, you know, limestone kind of river cut crags that are short. And they're, they're pretty fun, but far from any mountains. So I started with REI. And then shortly after that, we went into um, the COVID furlough. Yes. So I got furloughed. And then in in Austin, I can't speak for like the rest of the country, but in Austin, we were like on lockdown. Okay. So I was like cooped up at home with my son for the entire Pretty much, I would say, the entire 2020. 2020. Yeah, I remember 2020. Um, So, you know, and there was that thing about, hey, if you're in another state, do not travel, do not bring your COVID to us. So I um, did my best to, you know, I trained on the hangboard and did like a home gym training with my son. But um, then that opportunity, the affinity program, women's, uh, rock guide course came up in September and the same year, 2020, 2020. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, I, I got accepted for the program. So we did, I did my rock guide course in 2020, September of 2020. So
0: when you took the rock guide course,
1: were you an SPI already? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah, I already had my SPI. So I I, I feel like I've taken the course in 2018, maybe tested for the SPI in 2019. Then why are you
0: still taking the assessment? I thought once you take a higher course, then you don't have to retake the assessment.
1: Yeah, so I kind of talked to a couple of like... People who 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 run the guide okay. um, guide services, and they're like, well, technically the apprentice rock guide is not oh, a certification. Okay. You need to be assisted S- assistant S- rock guide, right? I so, need to sort out the information. Otherwise, I will give up false information myself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. And I, you know, he was like, if I were you, Mm -hmm. I would go ahead and research again and just have your SPI because that is like a proper certification where it's an apprentice apprentice rock guide. is not. I see. Yeah. Rock guide course is mostly a course, right? There's
0: no exam.
1: No exam. I mean, they have like movement assessment and one technical day, but otherwise it's not really a standalone certification right. on its own. Um, so that was the recommendation I got because I, I thought, you know... I'd yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, also just to be on the safe side, I, I noticed that people like REI, they really like a certified SPI. So, you know... For sure. Of, yeah, yeah, it kind of gives me opportunity to, right? Like and work then, with different people. Definitely. And people
0: get confused, especially yeah. like I apprentice doesn't Does sound it, exactly yeah yeah great um even people confuse about assistant yeah guy, e- even though that's a higher sir actually right so you were uh, an sps since 2019 yeah and then you got in i REI. could have my dates wrong but i but, think
1: it was 2019 but i, got but I can SPS. safely say that you're new yes <laughs> i i am very very new great yeah yeah
0: what do you think the what's your end point that's kind of my
1: question Um
0: you, in after, your
1: mind in my mind so the the rock guide course for me was so that when I'm instructing and sharing information I'm on the modern systems, right? Because when I started climbing almost 30 years ago, equipment was different. The technology was different, right? Like people weren't testing. Right. Um, And so I think at that point, people were still climbers were still figuring out. Mm hmm. And adapting as new equipment came out. Right. There's a lot of revolutionary gear change. Yeah. So I felt like a lot of the uh, things I learned when I first started climbing was a little bit outdated. And because I'm not a gear head, I don't spend my time reading like climbing magazine. Mm -hmm. and reading gear um, and technical system advancements. So I knew that at some point... If I were to instruct people, I needed to make sure that what I knew was acceptable to current safety standards. So the Rock Guy course was for that purpose. Okay. Um, and, you know, in, in Texas, where I've been for the last 20 years, I am one of the kind of the more older, been around the block climbers. Um, And like I said, you know, Texas doesn't have very many multi-pitch opportunities. So it's very hard to learn in Texas. So I was mentoring a lot of climbers, just wanted to make sure what I was sharing was like, was like good. I was also noticing when I would travel out of Texas and go to other areas Because in Texas we have a very um, athletic, steep, kind of hard, steep, short climbing. It it makes climbers strong, but it does not prepare them for easy technical. Was more bouldery, more bouldery, steeper. But then you go to you know multi pitch areas in other parts. Like let's say I go to Eldo and I see another Texas climber doing scary things and I'm like okay like this kind of needs to change and um so was that the reason that you took
0: your first SPI course was just like okay and you know, I've seen some scary things yes. and then I'm also teaching people maybe yes.
1: exactly
0: and yeah. then so when you took the SPI course you have this my Set of ma- maybe mentoring some newer climbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But d- did you already think that you might do
1: it as a job? I didn't actually. um You know, and I'm going to backtrack okay. a little bit because I'm probably very different from like the other um female guides. Yeah, tell there. me about the story. Okay, yes. so I have, um I learned how to climb in California. So we're almost in, almost, uh, in uh, Joshua Tree and okay. Idlewild were like my, the places where I frequented a lot. And that's where I cut my teeth, right? So Learning. you start as a track climber. Then. I did start more or less as a track climber. Okay. And then um, and then I uh, married a fellow climber. We just spend all our time climbing uh, wasn't planning on having kids, but ended up having a kid. I mean, ended up being the best decision ever. But that I was mean, your not kid my is gorgeous. plan. Yeah, adorable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. Uh, super, not my plan. But um, I decided that I didn't want to raise my kid in LA. So, oh, so you used to live in LA. I used to live in LA. I see, and that's where you know I was climbing, kind of in that area, right? Because it's, right?
0: it's kind of close to Joshua Tree. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, So,
0: and then the reason you don't, you didn't want to raise your kid in LA, is it,
1: uh, it's just, you know, like the, the area that I was living in went from very, um, right. Like my next door neighbor was like a gardener and my neighbor across the way was a retired military person. I mean, very blue collar. Okay. But During the time that I was there, it just really changed. The neighborhood really changed. Like, all the entertainment studios started coming in, right? Like, MTV came, the whatever, whatever studios came, and it just became the kind of place I didn't really want to raise my kid, right? Like, you had kids, little babies, you know, running around in very expensive Uggs. All this vanity stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I didn't want to raise my kid there. Mm. I had an opportunity to check out Austin in 1999. And I thought, oh, it's kind of a nice, you know, kind of a low-key, slightly sleepy town, but with very cool, friendly people. And I was like, I would love to raise my kid here. So we ended up moving Ended up getting divorced uh, shortly after I moved. So I, uh, I was a single mom. This is where I was getting to. I was a single mom. For how long? For um, 14 years. Wow. You did do, you do really great. Yeah. So, you know, guiding was not even something I could consider. Right? Living in Austin, Texas. Which there are probably not that many terrain. Yeah, not many terrain. Uh, I had very little free time. I mean, I could... With raising a kid. With raising a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, I wasn't getting any financial support from my ex. So, right? Like, I was fully responsible for for the kid and myself. Right? So, I had to... um, Make sure that, right, like the finances were solid. Um, I mean, really, I barely had time to train for myself and stay in climbing shape. But you were still climbing. I was still climbing, but like it was like I would drag my kid to the gym. And if I could get one hour in while he did his homework, that was as much as I was going to get. Right. Right. I see. And wow. Um then what did you do for
0: the, your financial needs? Okay.
1: So I used to teach yoga full time, so I was teaching about thirteen classes a week. Um, when I got you mean divorced, thirty three zero? So, thirteen. One oh, okay. three a week. Okay. Yeah. So kind of like two classes a day on some days. I see. Uh but I was Teaching probably about six days a week, yoga six days a week, Wow, which worked out really well and then um, at the same time, I used to work for this lovely woman who um, owned a soft kitchen goods company, and I was like she used to call me her uh, um, her utility knife because like I would do everything from warehouse management to sewing samples to Whoa. cutting patterns I used to be in fashion back in LA Ooh. <laughs> so I did all of these things but then in um 2016 I got super super sick um and like bedridden and a fever for like an entire year. I didn't know this till later, but I got Lyme's disease. Yeah, you mentioned. Super sick. So when that happened, I couldn't really teach as many yoga classes as I was teaching. And I certainly couldn't work for this woman because, you know, I was a lot of times, um, right, like kind of working at home and then going to the warehouse after I dropped my kid off at school and juggling a million things so that's when I got into real estate
0: oh. and
1: uh, I I somehow managed to make a, an all right living in real estate working as minimally as possible because I was bedridden
0: <laughs> and Austin was
1: booming yeah so I got lucky there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so for the rest of my time in Austin I taught yoga every day and, and, did real estate. So that's how, you know, financially I managed. Um, and I told myself that as soon as my kid went off to college, I would move to a place closer to great climbing. So here I am in, in Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that I was see. a long road and a lot of planning. Wow. Um, So,
0: right now, you still teach yoga?
1: I do. I teach a couple of classes at the local yoga studio. So, I teach here uh, Tuesday, Thursday evenings. Um, And then, you know, during season, I've been guiding like about two days a week. Two days a week, you mean doing Red Rock season? Doing Red Rock season, yeah. So, and then... um, the rest of the time I'm trying to personally climb, right? Because that I is see. my purpose for moving to Red Rock was not to like be working so hard, but to right. get to climb after 20 years of raising a kid. I think I think I, I owe myself that, finally. I see. Yeah. So right now you're live in Vegas,
0: more personal climbing, some yoga teaching, yeah. and some guiding.
1: Yes. Yeah. So your outlook for guiding is more part-time part-time because what I moved here for was to try to prepare for the advanced rock guide right right and this is what I kind of found out last season because that was the first season I was guiding in Red Rock right because I just arrived last year Mm -hmm. to Red Rock um, or to Vegas Um, is that like when you guide you don't really stay in shape that's true (laughs) (laughs) yes yes Right. Well, the requirements for the advanced rock guide is, right, there are certain movement standards and you don't want to be sketching on them. Well, (laughs) there
0: certainly exist a movement standard for, I mean, you climb really well. So I won't say that I worry about you and the movement.
1: Yeah, but you also, I don't know if you know this, but I went through two shoulder surgeries in the last four years. So Mm -hmm. I was also coming back from that. Right. Right. And so that really messed with my head. I was certainly not going to be able to prepare for the advanced rock guide in Austin because we have no multi pitch. So I was like, okay, like, even if it's just for three or four years, I need to move somewhere where it's accessible, where I can kind of still teach yoga, guide, but personally work on my, you know, progression of my rock guide life guiding life yes so and balancing that has been kind of a challenge so you plan to guide on pitch terrain then yes okay but you know i'm also 53 so i don't <laughs> want to be having these 12 hour days Um, Well, you can do some eight-hour days. Yes, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I could do eight-hour days, but I also couldn't do, you know, four days in a row of eight-hour days. If I had two days in a row... tough. Two days in a row, that's probably my physical limit. If I wanted to save something for my personal fitness and my personal climbing... And my personal, right, comeback from my two-shoulder surgery. So it's been a lot. I see. And do you might ask you, because I got here in red rough all
0: time. Mm-hmm. So I certainly, especially during the peak season, I might work 20-plus days yeah. a month. Yeah. Um, and so for you, right now, your current situation, is that financial feasible for you to teach
1: yoga, guy part-time? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, in all honesty, the guiding makes such little money that I don't even consider that like a viable um, way of um, earning a living with the level of fitness and stamina I have as a 53-year-old woman.
0: Then, so then, if that's the case, why don't you not guide... But just do say teaching
1: yoga and just focus on your personal climbing. Then, um, what did you get from guiding? So, here is my my why for pursuing you know the climbing education. It was it was less for um, guiding and making a living that way. It was more for being able to share the knowledge safely um, among my community. And, you know, I think I speak from a place of, um, right. Being a woman climber. Um, and you know, I psych myself out a lot because I, uh, when I see people do certain things, it's like, well, yeah, I've been climbing for a long time and I, I wouldn't do it this way, but maybe they know something I don't know instead of being very secure in, ooh, I'm not okay with that, or, oh, wow, that is an elegant system, and I really appreciate that, you know? And to to have that kind of knowledge was very important, but also to um, keep other women safe is, like, my why,
0: right? Because
1: for a lot of women, I think... Um, They come into climbing because of their partners or because of, right? Like they kind of get brought into the world of climbing, fall in love with climbing. But I find a lot of cases where they don't really take the initiative to learn to be safe on their own because, you know, they depend on the other partner to kind of, right, like learn about the gear and to know everything. And and that is not really a safe way to climb. Because if you can't look at other people's system and tell if it's safe or, right, um, if you can't speak up, or if you don't know enough information to speak up, it's right. kind of That's dangerous. That's interesting. In so, because you certainly take the initiative to be.
0: In your mind safer so you can also learn the modern right. knowledge to show say your fellow climber how to be safe so what gave you the courage to be in the uh, taking the initiative if you feel like a lot of women um, not doing that and then you also mentioned
1: that you set yourself out a lot too yeah hmm so for me I started climbing at a very different time, right? Like, I mean, think about 20 plus, 25 plus years ago. The climbing community was very small. True. Uh, everybody knew everybody. I feel like it was much more inclusive than today. Oh, because, okay. Yeah, because I remember when, when I started climbing, there were so few women who climbed. That if you were a woman climber, people swooped in (laughs) to, like, take you climbing. But not only did they, like, swoop in to take me climbing, but they schooled me on everything. Like, I followed pitches after pitches of I mean, I went out every weekend. Um, uh, The people who took me climbing, like, kind of not only took me climbing to take me climbing, but they like kind of taught me what they knew. Mm -hmm. Uh, They taught me the kind of the culture, the etiquette. There was a lot, right? So they also like took the role of mentoring. Absolutely. Totally. Um, And so I came into climbing, I think at a time where oddly the women who, you know, stepped into climbing, Stepped into it, it, it from a much more um, uh, empowered and um, with the intention of right being like strong and independent climbers on on their own. Um, so I mean, like a lot of the people that a lot of the women that I climbed with were not. They took initiative. They all led on trad gear and they all you know went out and did stuff and and then i i noticed that somewhere along the line as climbing became like more popular Hmm. and and more um it was a little bit of a self-selecting group back then because the women who chose to climb were not your very average athletes do you know what i'm saying i let me try to read Mm-hmm. Paraphrase. Okay,
0: think, see what I understand. So you mean the back then? Well, we all know the back back then, there were fewer women clients Yeah. So if they chose to climb, they kind of need to have a certain personality trait yeah. in them, right? So they needed to take initiatives and right. be bold, right? And maybe in the meantime, it's like okay, then I can lead. I can right. learn everything. Yeah. But as the climbing population exploded, people came in for different reasons. Correct. So a lot of times people just say, I'm coming because my friend wants to do it. Right. But I don't really need it to to know everything. Correct.
1: Yeah. Very different culture. Like the women who chose to climb back then chose to climb. So they they needed to to equip themselves with knowledge. Correct. Whereas I think the people who a lot of times happen upon climbing today, um, you know, happened upon climbing because there was a beautiful gym that got built and, you know, they joined for the yoga and the fitness facility and also decided to dabble in climbing and then fell in love with the movement and they stayed gym climbers for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that environment, you really don't need to know a lot to still be able to enjoy climbing. And I think that's also wonderful. It right? is. I love the movement part of yeah. climbing for sure. Yeah. Because it's vertical dancing and it's an area where women do really well, right? You you don't have to be a certain, um, you know, body type or... Uh, you don't necessarily even have to be that athletic to really enjoy the movements of climbing.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So... Um,
0: So let me say this, so it's fine if they want to stay in the gym for their whole climbing career, but some of them venture outside. And you've, yeah. you've seen some of them. Right. And then you probably just like, oh, maybe it would be nice to learn a little bit of being outside.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's the role that I've kind of stepped into in my local climbing. Uh, well, it's not even local anymore. When I was in Austin. Yeah. I remember you share on your Facebook, Texas Crusher. Is that how you Texas, call it? Yeah. So Texas Lady Crusher. Um, the, the founder of Texas Lady Crusher, uh, Emily Hernandez, and I kind of met one day at a climbing gym in, in South Austin that no longer exists. And back then Texas Lady Crusher's didn't, didn't exist, but she also found, um, that she would like to create like a safe community where women can ask questions and learn and whatnot. I, um, started helping out with the Texas Lady Crushers, taking people out. We won't call it guiding because I was at that point not certified, but um, as as probably one of the more experienced climbers in Austin, women climbers in Austin at that time, it was um, a very uh, enjoyable role for me, and it just made me feel so good to see women who were confident outside and who knew they could keep themselves safe and who um, knew that like, right, like there are no stupid questions Um, because let's face it, like in today's climbing culture, right, it's still very uh, male dominated. We have so many more women climbers and so many more women crushers these days, but it's still very male dominated in some places. It's very um, intimidating. Right? Or you just get a little bit of that bro dude attitude <laughs> that, you know, is a really hard environment to have to constantly manage the bro talks, mean yeah, yes. Yeah. So um, so Emily created the Texas Ladies Crushers as a place where women can get together. And climb together in a safe environment. Um, you know, my intention still is, you know, even as I further my,
0: my education,
1: yeah. I would still go back to Texas and be involved with them and with other, you know, uh, women organizations. So, you know, another guiding company that I've been working with is She Moves Mountains. Yes. That's been really lovely. Yeah, I um, saw
0: that you work with them in Joshua Tree recently. Yeah, right. So and I it was so
1: fun. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing because um, one of my memorable uh, weekends uh, guiding for them was um, guiding for the Latino outdoor events that they had. It was like a three-day climbing weekend, Um a lot of the women who attended this weekend, I, I believe it was scholarship based. So you, the people who came on that trip, did not have to pay. Oh, okay, right. Um, so a lot of these women had number one never camped, had never set up a tent, let alone climb and touch rock. And, you know, to be involved in a weekend like that just reminds me of kind of the magic of like the outdoors, the magic of climbing and moving your body on rock, right? You're dancing on rock and the magic of community, you know, it was just so sweet. And one of the things I love about uh, working with women is, and, you know, maybe this is not all women, but I, I notice this in general, is that they tend to be very nurturing and very supportive. So maybe less competitive, maybe you're on the rock and you're feeling scared, and you can say, hey, I'm scared, and the women, you know, there is nobody that says, stop sucking, climb harder, <laughs> even as a joke that's sometimes not funny. And sometimes, most of the time, it's not even a
0: joke, right? Right, true. <laughs> I remember the first time I, I led and I have a male partner. Mm-hmm. And I was really scared because that was my first right. lead. And, and I was like, so scared. And then he said, Well, you got three good pieces below you. That's all he yeah, said. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was like, Well, was that supposed to be encouragement? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally understand. And I also can see that it seems like women's group yeah. is kind of important yes for you. Yes. And you even see Gao. Yes. Well, you took affinity programs from the AMGA, from mm-hmm. the get-go, right? Mm-hmm. Like very yes. first yes. course.
1: Have you ever stepped in a non-affinity program? Actually, I have. My first SPI course oh, okay. that I took with Elena was a mixed I see. Of course. And, and that was lovely. Like, I I really enjoyed it. Um, and how many...
0: What, what was the ratio? Do you remember? What was the
1: ratio of male participants mm, and women participants? I'm going to say a little bit more male than female. I think that particular group had more women than normal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I know that... So I want to say just, maybe it might have been like 70-30. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it was it was great because I
0: think for Elena she typically attract women too. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I have sat on some other SPI courses that's uh, run, run by men ma- instru- male instructors,
1: and definitely the ratio is pretty screwed. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that was um, that was cool but of course right spi course is what is it 3 days was it 3 days it is 3 days 3 days it's not 10 days okay <laughs> right. right the rock guide course is 10 hard days of labor <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay yeah so right. handing out 10 days with all dudes
1: and well maybe dudes yeah. is not the best word but um can be stressful yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, especially as a fifty-three-year-old woman, or you know, when I took the Rock Eye course, what I was fifty-one. So
0: um, maybe how 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 did that make you feel? Because I talked to Tracy mm-hmm. to Tracy Martin mm-hmm. on the very first episode. Yeah, she told me when she was certified, she was fifty or something like that. Yeah, and I was yeah. surprised because she looked super young. Yeah. Uh, so things like. Because you also share some age-related posts on your yes. Facebook. since yeah. like it's in your mind. Yes, yeah. How does that affect you? Um... I mean, you are totally competent. You move well.
1: Um, you speak well. So I was just curious I think the reality of 53 is that I don't have the same stamina as I did in my twenties or my thirties. Like my 40s. Energy, spy,
0: boom, boom, boom.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like in my twenties and my thirties, I kind of really didn't need sleep. You know, I could just <coughs> go, 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 go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I could physically push and it didn't phase me. Um, at fifty. Three And, you know, kind of also managing, right? Like Lyme's disease leaves a very uh, long-term effect Wow. on the body. So uh, my 40s was kind of learning to manage limes, And then... So it you might, just stay with you or... It kind of stays with huh. you. So I can't ever let myself um, get really tired because then it triggers... A very long episode of uh huh. fatigue chronic wow. fatigue so that you need to put watch me in bed yeah. watch that line. I need to really be careful, I and see. um I can kind of tell when it starts coming on because I start getting a little bit like dizzy and vertigoey. And then I, even when I sleep, I have a bit of a vertigo. And that's when I know, like, okay, I've pushed too far, scale everything back. So the reality of 53 and managing that is that um, physically I have to be very careful. I also have to be very honest about um, how much my body is capable of being pushed, right? So, um yeah, if I was in my 20s and my 30s and I didn't have a kiddo, I probably would have been guiding. Like, I did love being outside and love climbing that much that that was probably the course I would have taken. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm still figuring it out because, you know, guiding is new for me. I think my realistic goal is moving more towards instruction Mm -hmm. And less towards guiding, right? But the reality is, like, none of that instruction is really that good unless you actually do it. Yeah, you kind
0: of have to, you can't not have experience and expect to be a good instructor.
1: You can't be a theoretical... No. um, Right? So that's why, like... Well, and also, I do, when I do guide outside, I do love taking people outside. Mm -hmm. It's just that... I can't do it 5 days a week like a lot of the young guys do. I mean, it is challenging
0: even I I, I can tell you even for young <clears throat> younger guys I talk with them 20 something so early 30s. Yes. Working that much in a row is still very exhausting. It's exhausting. So just, it. you know, rest assured. <laughs> it's not just uh, for
1: older people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, I don't take the responsibility of guiding lightly because you have someone else's Definitely. life in your hands. Yeah, so risk management is what we manage. Yeah, yeah so it's a very um, uh, very heavy job. It's, it's rewarding, it's fun, but it's also very heavy. And I'm still learning to balance that right but um it's important for me to continue to guide to um keep everything relevant to keep what I'm learning relevant and also because it's my opportunity to right like work in those women's group and and see why um you know outdoor education is important to see why I still love this sport because I get to like experience someone fall in love with climbing or the outdoors for the first time and so it always keeps me in this state of um, like beginners I won't say beginners mind but beginners appreciation
0: definitely yeah. I mean it's, it's it, I would say that it's very nice to be reminded what it was like to yeah. be new yes yeah, yeah. And I love mean, that yeah and you know. so coming back to the women's program. Yes. So, I mean, I didn't have my chance to take all women courses mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious because you took um, the women's SPI.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You didn't, oh, your assessment, that was not the women's on the
1: assessment. I took it twice because I actually failed my first SPI. Exam. Okay. <laughs> With Elena. But I knew right. I was going to. Right. It was my first SPI class and I decided to take the SPI exam right after that first ex- you know, like five days straight. very first. Oh, and I told, wow. I told Elena, I said, look, I know I'm not going to do well, but I kind of want to see what's what is the... it like? Right. Um, because at that point, and it was, I don't know why I did not think about this. It was really dumb of me, but I had never been guided. I have never been in a climbing class. Okay. Right. So it's like, uh, uh, yoga student coming, you know, coming to yoga teacher training saying, I want to be a yoga teacher without ever having taken a yoga class. That's exactly what I was doing in climbing. Oh,
0: okay. Mm -hmm. Right?
1: Like, but I've been climbing recreationally for 20 years prior to that. I've never been guided. I've never spent money on, um, I bought books right? And, but I've never taken clinics. I mean, climbing festival really wasn't a thing back then because there weren't enough climbers to have festivals. Um, so it was my first foray into um, investing my money in climbing education. And once I did that, I realized how valuable and important it was bingo yeah. <laughs> yeah but like you know when you're young and you I, mean, know, I money understand. is tight it's yes. hard to know that the value that real training brings
0: i i would agree yeah i mean it's hard you always juggle time money and stuff so you gotta choose what's best for you at that certain point
1: yeah yeah right And when I was climbing a lot, I didn't really have a lot of money to burn. So I certainly Mm -hmm. wasn't going to hire a guide for a few hundred dollars a day to teach me. Yeah, I mean, I should have. Now I know (laughs) it would have been money well spent, but I didn't.
0: I would say so. um, It's like if, if you... if I would say if people commit climbing for a long term, then maybe it's actually a very good money to spend. Yeah. 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 And so... I actually want to talk a little bit more about the affinity programs. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious about your experience because I never myself. Mm-hmm. I'm always taking the courses and exam in a very male dominated ratio. Yeah. So you definitely seek that out. And mm-hmm. uh, how was that experience for you? Was Was that really helpful to like taking courses and exam with a bunch of women
1: together? All um, women. It's hard to say because unlike the SPI, you know, the rock guide course, I've only taken once and I've only taken it with women. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't compare. Compare. Yeah. So how about you just tell me your experience in those courses? Um, The experience I had is a little bit different because it was a COVID Covid, the first we were the first course to get run by the AMGA. Oh, I remember you all wear masks. And oh, it, right. was it was hard, brutal. It was like uh, Boulder. You know, the entire Western region was on fire. There was like so much fire going on in the bouldering Boulder area. It was smoky. We had to wear masks the entire ten days, and it was really hot that summer. Um, So physically, it was a very hard course, um, right? Because we were just hot and smoky and masked the whole time. Um, Because of that, I am so glad it was with uh, a lot of other women. Um, One thing I do find when I climb with men is that, right, I'm, I'm shorter, my legs are shorter, I'm probably a good sixty pounds. Um, I weigh sixty pounds less than a lot of my male climbing friends. So, right, me carrying a pack and trying to move with it is a significantly bigger proportion yes. mm-hmm. of my body weight. Um, so, I do feel like I'm always trying to like walk fast, and you know, my legs are moving like you know, you know when they have these, a shorter stride. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a part of me when I, when I'm with men, I'm always trying to keep up. I don't complain about it, but I am. That's the reality. Um, you know, I think with, uh, working with people of like similar size kind of makes a difference.
0: Oh, I didn't even... Think about the size, similar size, because usually when people sharing with their old women, course, they all talking about how supportive it is and you have shared experience and right. I talking about mean, the size. Even doing
1: stuff like rock rescue drill. Oh, you, you don't have the haul. have oh, you know. Person. So, I mean, that isn't that isn't the reason why I took it, but it, right. it really does make a difference, right? Definitely. I remember when I did my
0: drill, the first. 45 minute right now, 15 minute because they changed the rail. Right. They pair
1: me with a lighter guy because yeah. that was the only option they could. Right. Find. Yeah. yeah. Um, I definitely do feel like women are more supportive. And so there's maybe less of that competitive edge and more of that supportive, um, uh, more of that supportive environment. And so that was really important to me because really uh, for the rock guide course with the conditions we were in and I hadn't been climbing because I was in lockdown. So I'm not in my usual shape. I mean, I was working really hard, physically hard for 10 days. So um, being in a supportive environment made a world of difference if every day i mean really by like day five it was only halfway through and yes. it felt like oh my gosh i am so tired and i still am only halfway through mm-hmm. right so like feeling being in a supportive environment when you're feeling that way makes a definitely whole world and how of difference. how would they shot were they all women they were all women. So nice. we had Karen Buckle, Margaret Wheeler, and Erica Engel.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because I somehow bumped into this uh, supposedly women's rock I called in Red Rock last fall. Mm-hmm. It was one male instructor. I was like, Well why why are you are you here? <laughs> but they said they couldn't find Yeah. Enough women instructor for yeah. the backwards. Yeah. So
1: But you know, I, I think right that that points to the mm-hmm. the the kind of the challenge in climbing is that there are so few women and so few women instructors and definitely. how do you shift that right like you kind of need we we need to shift that by offering safe spaces for women to learn definitely and it's going to i think it, there are more and more female guys now yeah. it's gonna take a little time, yeah, I think it's gonna take a long time, and I also am noticing a little bit more of that um you know the the, the women who have been guiding mm-hmm. are getting out of guiding because. You know they're not able to make a living or they want to start a family or that's a huge challenge with women if you True. want kids. Yeah, yeah how are you I and continue to guide right.
0: I was just uh talking with Miranda, who just had well, Miranda, the third episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she just had a kid last year, so she, and she loved guiding right so she's mm-hmm. right now switching. When the kiddo is still young, to yeah. more instructing, so yeah. not doing a long multi pitch that she has to be out all day because she yeah. still have to milk the kid yeah.
1: and stuff. It's a lot of lot of moving parts to juggle as a female guide, right? yeah. And, and now, like, I don't have to worry about that because my kid is already an adult, out of the house. Mm-hmm. But you know, I have other challenges like age <laughs> <laughs> yes so um let me uh
0: look at my no. so what's your plan for your next step and i mean on the amga track you, you're talking about the assist with, yes but, uh,
1: advanced advanced Rock rocket guy. course um, did you sign up for one already i was going to sign up well i was intending on taking the september um September. One in Red Rock. One in Red Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really hoping to get some amount of scholarship. I did not get any scholarship oh. in the last round that I. The, um, for the Rock Eye course? <clears throat> mm-hmm. I thought the Rock Guide course was sponsored by the North Face, no? Oh, the, the Rock Eye course was. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the first Rock Eye course. Um, but we still have to come up with, right? It's not that the entire tuition is not, only part I see. of it is. Right um so i am i think my current plan i was gonna take it this september but i think i'm gonna put a pause on that apply for the next round of scholarship coming up in october see if i can secure some funding okay for the advanced rock guide right now
0: how how much is the advanced rock
1: forty three hundred dollars what the which for the, the September two-one ratio. Two, ratio,
0: forty-three
1: for eight days, six days.
0: Sorry,
1: um, it is
0: eight eight days with two-to-one ratio. Okay, forty-three. Yeah, that's a it's, it's a lot. It's right? a big sum of money, for especially
1: sure. for someone like me that isn't right. Like mm-hmm. my guiding years are are not long. So you're thinking about whether the investment would pay off. Exactly. (laughs) I see. Yeah. And especially because, you know, I still want to continue to mentor and maybe even volunteer my time to, you know, instruction and education. And so, um, you know, I can do that currently without necessarily having the Advanced Rock Guide. The Advanced Rock Guide... Just puts me, you know, within the scope of practice when I do guide on the multi pitch terrain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because with my apprentice, I can uh, guide. Is it four pitches or six hundred feet? I don't actually something no. like that. Um, I don't know whether
0: you you need to be under supervision. It's so No. For, supervision. for
1: the for the. Four pitches or up to 600 feet, I can guide on my own. So I could go oh, guide, okay. you know, Johnny Vegas or a lot of ball wall or, right. right. I could, I could still do a fair amount of short multi-pitch, um, but I couldn't go and guide, you know, the dark shadows full. Right. Right. Which is well within my comfortable, mm-hmm. um, guiding. Right. But I, I. I would With not this, be within the scope of practice for I Dark see. Shadows. So
0: Okay, so you still... Uh, the advanced rocket course is still in the picture because you also get tested on the rescue. Yes,
1: yes. yes. So, which is
0: important, even though I never want to use it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. you kind of need to yeah. have that skill. Yeah,
1: so I'm preparing for that. I'm going to go ahead, just because I didn't uh, get the scholarship this last round, I'm going to try to... Apply for the one coming up in October and see if I can secure a little bit. And then um, if I can, I'll take it in the spring. I see. Advanced Rock Guidance. So spring. when you
0: apply for the scholarship, I know that they have a um, women's scholarship.
1: Have you tried the BIPOC scholarship too? Yeah, that's the scholarship I didn't get this last round. I see. Yeah. yeah. So I'm applying to <laughs> and anything <laughs> and, and everything I can. I see. Um, all right. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I, I'm a little bit out of the loop of a scholarship because I'm not taking courses right. right now. And how about, so you think you might have planned to even be a full-third rock guide then?
1: Ooh, I don't know about that. I mean, I mean I, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who no, knows? I but just wait and see, right? yeah. I, I I don't have a necessity for it, hmm you know, I suppose that if I did that, it opens up a lot of other opportunities, like right on the education side, like being able to offer what SPI courses. Um, do I want to do that?: Well, Not really. I
0: think that as uh, once you pass a advanced rock guy, you are you will be kind of assistant rock guy. right then you can be an SPI instructor. uh, provider actually so you don't be a force
1: you don't need to be a force around guy in order to do that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think the way the the money part of it works out i probably won't go for the full and i and i say that now and i might change my mind in like two years i don't know right i mean you you never know right so things can change and stuff so
0: how about along the way Mm -hmm. did you have like any just Particularly, I know that you have quite a lot of mentors on your climbing career because people took you under their wings right. How about on this guiding track like becoming a guy? Have you met anybody that like mm. mentor you a little bit about you know you know being a guy you need to be like this and then train on like team of three and that type of thing
1: um I have, so I've actually, when Dale comes through, I okay, typically, Dale yes, I typically um, like to kind of hire him for a day I see. to brush up on things that I feel are subpar, but otherwise I just get out there and I just like... Okay. Kind of practice on friends, right? Practice on you know, and did you because you're right now in Vegas, there's a lot of people coming through that's to right. train. That's right. Have
0: you so contact them and network with them to train together?
1: Yes, so there's a constant stream of people who are coming through to take their rock guide course to train for their rock guide course. So I'm always in touch with uh peers who are and how. How how did you manage to do that?
0: Be, because some people might wonder like, how they can connect um, with other peers to
1: train. So it's actually been pretty easy. I I, I think just like having... It just happened organically, maybe? It happened very organically for me, just because I've been kind of coming to Red Rock and climbing for a little while. You know, so, mm-hmm. right, the the people who come through every season is the same or right, I like you, you get the same people, right, who are going to be coming through. And so typically around the season is like, hey, are you going to be there? Oh, I'll be here from the state. Okay, well, let's coordinate. Right. Um, and so
0: then do you mind because sometimes people come through and then they will ask me, but I'm always working. Right. Uh, yeah. So do you mind ask you and
1: not necessarily you per yeah. se that but help them to connect with someone? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And I do that a lot too, because a lot of times when I'm not available, I'll connect um, you know, people with others who are looking. Um yeah, because I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. But I just like gee,
0: I can't spare a day. I mean, for me I right. kinda need to work. Right. So yeah. Um great. Uh and um, I'm actually curious about a little bit about your background. So okay. you, well, pe- obviously people can see. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, Asian. I'm Asian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably people can judge from the name, mm-hmm. um, your last name and mm-hmm. everything. So were you born and raised in the States? Uh,
1: I was born in Santa Monica, California. But I was raised in Japan. So when I was like two months old, my parents uh, decided to go back to Japan. They're not Japanese, actually. They're Chinese. Okay. But uh, they left Japan because it was like in the 60s during the Red Scare. And they thought they were going to get booted out of Japan. Uh. And so they were like, we're just going to like go ahead and move to California and... Kind of start over, and then they heard from the Japanese government that they were getting granted Japanese citizenship. Oh. When that happened, they moved back. At that point, I was only like two or three months old, so I grew up in Japan. Until when? Until I graduated high school. Wow. So So I graduated high school and and then moved back to California.
0: Yep. Do you still speak any dialect
1: of Chinese No, I've never spoken Chinese. So your
0: family... uh, do they speak? They speak
1: Chinese. Oh, okay. My dad speaks Cantonese. Mm-hmm. My mom speaks Mandarin. But they
0: never taught you?
1: No. Interesting. Because okay. it's different times. I was a girl and they were like, well, you're going to pick up whatever language that, to the, you know, whoever you married to, you're going to be given away. So it's interesting. <laughs> we're, Kyle not said gonna, it. yeah. we're not going to bother teaching you Chinese. My brother Ooh. speaks Chinese though. Interesting. Yeah.
0: The, the, so the brother, speaks,
1: speaks Cantonese okay. and and uh, all right Mandarin. I see. So you speak Japanese, obviously English. So, yes, that's okay. A, and I used to speak all right French, but I haven't used it in a long time. So yeah,
0: that's interesting that they, the parents that they didn't teach you any
1: Mandarin or Cantonese. Um, I think I'm that kind of that. Tail generation of chinese families right. where girls kind of were not valued right because yes i, I, I think that is not true today mm, as much as yes, much i would say as depends much. on which family they right yes but you know like as an example my mom has Four sisters, well, why do they have four sisters? It's not because they wanted a big Because family. they want a son eventually, right? Exactly. They were trying for a son and kept having daughters. And mm-hmm. then at some point, they gave up and quit.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. And then when did you move back to the States? Uh,
1: 1987. I moved to um L.A. For, for college. For college, yeah. Yes. And... So, did the whole family move back? No, or just, just I, I left Japan, um, and so my my entire family is in Japan. I see. Yeah. So,
0: family still in
1: Japan. You alone can mm-hmm.
0: come back to
1: my brother. At that time, he's two years older, and he was also in college in the in California. I see. So, my parents gave me my father gave me the choice of either you know you. Go to California and go to school with your brother and live with your brother, or you can stay in Japan and continue to live with us till we marry you off. Okay. I (laughs) guess if
0: I were you, I chose to come to the
1: United States. Exactly. Okay.
0: Was that your rationale too? That was my,
1: yeah. And they uh... gave me four years. My dad's like, I'm going to give you four years. To finish your degree and then get married. And and come back, come oh, back to okay. Japan and get married or whatever.
0: Wow. Are you a family quite traditional?
1: Very traditional. Very traditional. I mean, like my father is unusual in that he holds on to that old tradition, but um is also a little bit progressive in some ways, right? right. Um and
0: Did you mind asking you that, you know, being a single mom
1: and also climbing? It was was just, yeah, they kind of gave up on me. Fortunately, they gave up on trying to make me like a normally acceptable Asian daughter, right? Because by the time I didn't, you know, in, in, I think... This is a Japanese thing. I don't know if this is a Chinese thing, okay. but in Japan they say a woman is like a Christmas cake. Christmas cake, mm-hmm. Be- uh, because up to twenty four you're desirable. At twenty five, you're like okay, like this is it. And twenty six, you're like a day old Christmas cake. Oh, wow, <laughs> uh, that's very interesting. I mean, in in the culture I came from mm-hmm.
0: is. Kind of similar. I mean, my mom certainly want me to get very good education yeah. and everything, but she always worried about who and when I'm gonna get married.
1: Right. And once I pass a cutoff age, yes. as if like I'm have no value if I don't get married. Right. That was very much like uh, my family. So when I was not married by thirty, mm-hmm. they I was kind of a lost cause to them. And they were like, at this point, you know what? You're far away in the U.S. Um, We're just, you know... Pretend that you're not my daughter It wasn't (laughs) that severe. Okay. But they were at least like, you know, we kind of gave up on you. Just do do what you want to do, you know. Um, And they kind of gave up and then the the thing is when I right like when I got divorced it was like oh my it was like the end of the world right yeah it was and then it's like well not not only am I divorced but now I'm like single mom you know um not you know and not realizing that in the U.S. that's kind of it was not, not like a abnormal. big deal, right? Yeah. Not, yeah, totally. I mean, sure, it's 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 challenging in some ways. It's definitely challenging you have to raise a kiddo on your arm. Yeah, but at the same time, um, like raising my son in Austin as a single mom has been very happy years. I had a mm. great time. I would much rather be a single mom in Austin, Texas than a uh uh and the traditionally because of the kids so you stay in the marriage that kind of thing no mm -mm, can't do that so i had a really happy single mom life awesome yeah 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 and how do they see
0: you climbing then or were they just like i don't care because i already gave up on my daughter
1: i think they for a long time I did not lie about climbing, but for a long time, I think they thought I hiked. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I didn't, you know, that was okay. I mean, you you have to hike to the crag anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I wasn't really lying. Um, And they weren't really wanting to know more. I see. Um, And that was okay. I think now they know that I climb. And so now every time... I go home. They're like, oh, isn't it time you stop climbing? Mm. Um, You know, every time I leave Japan, oh, please be really careful. It kind of worries them too much. I mean, because in Japan, it's also quite big of climbing culture, right? At least... Recently, right? That's a recent thing. Japan's always had a very... um, Mountaineering culture, Very established mountaineering culture, but not necessarily technical rock climbing culture. I see and that's relatively new i mean like right when um yuji hirayama started climbing that was like kind of like the very beginning of japanese climbing and it still didn't pick up for a long long time Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i remember watching some documentary of yuji talking about the all the time when he started climbing, people just like, What are you doing? Yeah, they had yeah. no
1: idea. And he was such a pioneer, right? I mean, but nobody understood what he was doing. Yeah. No wonder he had to move to France and just <laughs> do his own thing. Yeah. Right? yeah, but definitely,
0: right now, Japanese climbers are this strong force on like a yeah. lot of. Uh,
1: yeah, and it's so fun. I love it because uh, when I go back to Japan, I get to hang out in um, Japanese gems. And. I think the Japanese, right, like the physique and their work mentality really, really helps with the climbing. Mm. Because they are so nerdy and so focused. And they really love and pick up on little techniques. And when they get into something, they really get into it.
0: Because Japanese culture really values you do this one thing really, 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 really well. well, right? Yeah. I forgot yeah. the term. Uh, I don't know how to I pronounce the, it. Yeah. But that's
1: in their culture. Yeah. I right. should so yeah. be like
0: super geeky
1: about yes. just doing one particular thing. Yes. Super well. Super well. I and then see. you see all these, uh, what's really fun for me is, um, right? Like Japan is still, as far as like women's movement, it's very behind. So, oh, but in the climbing world... There are crushers, like nine-year-old little girls who just dominate. I mean, it is insane how how good they are. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, makes me feel really good.
0: Kind of inspiring, too, because I'm
1: like Asian. I was like, I can be climbing really well. Totally, yeah. I mean, it's 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 so good, especially in contrast to right, like the rest of Japanese culture, where women yeah. are kind of still not considered equal, and you know, even in the workplace, um, it's it's hard to be a woman in Japan. Mm. I
0: that kind of made, reminded me. Did your parents wanted you wanted you to go to this bridal whatever school? That in Japan, that's what I heard that they prepare you to be a proper bride or something. No,
1: no. Okay. They like, well, They there was a, I think like, they tried to set me up, you know, like uh, uh, J- Japan. Japan is, day and yeah, stuff. Japan is big on like yeah, setting, yeah, yeah. setting families, arranged marriage. And arranged marriage, yes. Um, so they kind of had ideas of that, but I was just not having it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, cons- you know, for Japanese standards, I was considered a little bit wild and too independent. So I think they had a really hard time with that. So probably here I mean, in the United States, sushi will be better, huh? Much better, I yeah. See. It's so much easier. It's very hard for me to be in Japan. Um, and in Japan, I feel like I can't be myself. And when I am myself, people think I'm a complete freak. (laughs) (laughs) And how about your identity here in Uh the United States, in the
0: climbing? I mean, when I just started climbing, well, it was not even as long as you. I think I started climbing about 14 years ago. Uh And I found very few Asians. Yeah. And um... does that affect you, your culture? ethnic identity in the
1: climbing community so not not really i think more recent more newer climbers have more issues with that because again when Mm. i started climbing like climbing was so fringe that everybody Uh, was kind of like the different different so it kind of almost didn't matter that you were a girl I see, or some Asian, or girl. Or Asian. Like, as far as I know, I have not had any problems being a female Asian climber. Um, I I see more issues today than Hmm. I see back then. So what kind of issues do you see today? I had... um, you know, I think in general, like, when I show up, people, you know, will say, oh, like, the warm-ups, the 5.8s are right there. You know, that kind uh, okay. of stuff. Huh, Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I just don't look really fierce, you know, which is fine. I don't... Yeah, no, which is fine. But fine. I, why would people even
0: bother to tell you Offer of the information? I don't know.
1: Maybe... I don't know if my age has something to do with it, Mm. right? Because I clearly am not, like, young. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I look my age, but I don't think I look young. Um, um, I I feel like there is more of that weird bro culture Mm -hmm. in climbing today.
0: Hmm. Wow. I guess when I saw climbing, I already knew about the burl culture. I even know how to do the burl talks. Yes, but I think
1: you came into climbing when that was the norm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. I see. Yeah, because I it's, it's
0: obviously it's hard for me to imagine what twenty plus years ago was yeah,
1: like. There was no, I mean. People were so, I I will say, they were just so quirky and such unusual people, and I have the fondest memory of Mm. those people and those times, and they were just so crazy and just so original. I see. Um, Everybody was just like very much their own character. So it's kind of nice that you have those memories. Oh, right?
0: it was great. So you're just like, maybe we can right now, we pick up those yeah. Uh, yeah. atmosphere or something. Yeah,
1: I think having that experience kind of makes me believe that it's it's possible. It's become a little bit more toxic of late. But I think having seen that, I know that it's entirely possible right. that men and women and people can coexist in the outdoor space and mm-hmm. have fun with each other. And right. So
0: so you start at the time, that climbing is fun, the community was fun. Yeah. That's it was timing. Like
1: the, the community was really Awesome strong. combo. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. Because so good. I
0: think I started in the community, not that, obviously I've, I met a lot of supportive people for sure, but right. there's still some toxic yes. in the community. But I love climbing, so I just kind of punch through. Sometimes I feel those obstacles. Yeah. 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 But it would be nice if the community is like, pretty safe and supportive yeah. all the all way.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I told you about the, the dinner. The dinner. The, oh, okay. The, right. The guy's dinner. The which... guy's dinner. And I was like the only female guy present at that dinner. Mm-hmm. And, um, nobody tried to talk to me. I was trying to kind of be, um, right. Like in the conversation. And at some point I had to, I had to like, um, two of the guides brought their partners. Right. So I was like, Hey, can you move so that I can go sit with the two ladies? You know, mm-hmm. And I went to the end of the table, had, had a lovely time, but right. That right. I feel it like is the current, um, culture of being a minority in this interesting, and that kind of remind me that I bumped
0: into you last October during the annual meeting. Was that your first annual meeting mm-hmm. of the MGA? Yeah, I've never been to one. Um, and that was obviously a, you was you saw a lot of men. Yes, um, I did. How was the atmosphere? For you, uh, atmosphere for you.
1: Hmm.
0: Did you have to do some broad talk, or you feel that you could
1: comfortably talk with people? I the few people, no, t- the few people that I did talk to, I did, I didn't feel like I needed to do the the the, the broad talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that I. Felt completely comfortable, and that it would be an event I look forward to going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know? I don't know that I would go back again. Right, um, but you know, when I when I did go, my primary purpose for going was right. They offer those clinics, and I kind of wanted to attend. I was already I in Vegas, um, and I wanted to brush up on like rescue skills and stuff. So I I had a reason for being there um, for the clinics, for the clinics. Mm -hmm. I really went for the clinics, not for socializing, not for socializing. Yeah. Yeah. But I also met uh, a couple of people I knew that I got to catch up with, which was really fun. Nice. And then I got to meet um, a few people that, you know, I I had met for the first time there, and we like exchanged information on how to find each other if we were right. If I was going to Yosemite, or they were going to come through here. Nice. So um, it was, yeah. Like I'm glad I went. Mm-hmm. Would I go every year? Probably not. Right. I see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I went there a few times, the annual meetings,
0: and I I kind of can see why you just like I don't know. It seems it's not like. People are not nice. They are nice, right? But somehow I want to hear what
1: you think about it.
0: It's just overwhelmingly male. Yes, uh, guys. Yeah, Yeah. and and so for me, so I have this imposter syndrome uh, that because I I didn't speak English natively, I didn't grow up here, so I always find a little bit awkward for me to in a very big uh, party-ish thing to strike a conversation with people. I don't know how small talks. That's yes. kind of my
1: thing. Yes. But, because small talk is so cultural.
0: Yes. Yeah. But
1: then if i like,
0: guiding, I'm super comfortable asking questions because it's more like a very small group. Right. So I feel it's very comfortable to just chit-chat. Right. But in the big group, i just like, oh, what's the icebreaker? And what's a normal topic to... Ass and that I feel a bit awkward. Yeah. So it's always hard for me in that environment. And given that all these people, I don't even know their background, so it's right. extremely hard for me. So yeah. I'm always very quiet during that type of uh, event. Yeah. yeah. But then I wasn't sure what that's because me, culturally, because I wasn't very comfortable small talking in that environment. Oh, because the
1: overwhelmingly male and
0: women, mm. uh, ratio, and I'm um, obviously one of the very few Asians there. Yes.
1: Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that if there were more women, mm-hmm. it would be more comfortable. It could be. Right? right. Because like, really, okay, so here's the thing. When I, when I, um, was meeting new people, I was meeting other women. I see. Yeah. And it was just so fun talking to them. Right. Right. And, and exchanging information and trying to keep in touch and all of that.
0: And then I think for, say, small talking, say, which is I think is a very important skill, mm-hmm. is you got to start with something you share in common. That's right. Yeah. Right. So right. with another woman, you you know that you share something in common right. already. Yeah. And with another man, which is also an American man, so right. I wasn't sure which topic should I yeah. say
1: when that that
0: could find something that sharing.
1: Yeah, no, I feel e- exactly the same way. I see. Yeah. yeah. So, so the the new connections I made were with with other okay. women. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was so nice that, you know, Margaret Wheeler had uh, two of her daughters running around, and that was like so nice to see. It was, my mommy heart really appreciated, right, because I went there kind of not knowing people, so just to be in that energy of kind of girls, kids running around, Mm -hmm. and another fellow mother kind of made me feel like, okay, all right, right. I'm. I'm not alone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's 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 hard. Yeah. And then a lot of time I feel that um, being a minority, y- you don't want to assume everything is because people the majority is oppressing people, yes. right? Yes. But then you yes. sometimes you can't help to think, is that me?
1: Yeah. Or is that, oh, is that they? Right. Yeah. So I it's, think that's. Uh, the the thing that um, becomes hard to decipher is, is it me or is it because I'm a woman or beca- is it because I'm Asian, right? Like you right. can kind of never pick out what's what, but there's just something there. And then, but the thing is, it, it might be
0: none of the above. And it might be none of the right. above. It but the might funny, be, yeah, it might be that. Yeah, but the funny thing is the majority doesn't have to think built us through those questions right yeah so yes. there's less energy yes involved yeah in that. yeah
1: for sure mm-hmm.
0: so obviously you have taught yoga for many years Yes. Yeah. almost 20, so you're not 20 years. new for
1: the instructing role. yeah correct
0: did, did it carry over to your guidance? oh
1: totally teaching mm-hmm. is teaching whether you're teaching yoga or climbing right right um And for me, the teaching is easy, not because I'm a great teacher, but because I'm a perpetual student. I love to learn. Um, I think also what makes me a good teacher is I'm not necessarily what one would consider a, a good student or a quick learner. Mm. It takes me a lot of practice, a lot of repetition, a lot of like seeing it from other angles, getting it explained from many different perspectives, experiencing it tactile, you know, tactilely, visually seeing like I need to learn from so many different angles that by the time I finally understand it, I understand it well. So I'm not Mm. quick. But when I get it, I feel like I really deeply get it. And I always reserve room for, you know, staying curious and revising what I know. So, you know, even when, when I teach yoga, it's always been a, right? I, I While I'm in the role of a teacher, the um, my student-teacher relationship is very much... Teamwork. We're learning from each other. Mm. We are trying things. We are trying to keep our minds open. So it's you know the. I think as a as a teacher instructor, the biggest um, success for me and the biggest gift I can offer to others is to make them independent. Yogis, or independent climbers, or people who are able to be their own teachers—awesome—and continue to like, right? Stay curious and stay motivated. Um, So, you know, when I when I teach yoga, like a lot of you know, back in Austin, when you know, when I was teaching a lot, most of the um, a, a big majority of my classes were other other teachers and we all kind of created a space where it was very communal learning yeah
0: yeah and then so the teaching instructing part is not hard for you i would say in the guiding
1: it's it's not hard because i'm always a student so i kind of know um where it could be challenging right and instead of assuming mm-hmm. like i i kind of know what it feels like to feel lost some people mm-hmm. right like as an example some people are like real gear nerds they understand the technical system they see it once and they get it and they just get it and that's just not me right so you said
0: the most challenging part you find becoming a guy is to just to, 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 sift through all those information and be technical savvy.
1: Yeah. It it makes me a good teacher because I'm very empathetic. (laughs) (laughs) I see.
0: Well, I mean, it's good because they say that if you can teach the material, then you know Mm -hmm. the material Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about like the balancing. Okay. Balancing life. Okay. So um, what's... What's your like plan for like say in the next couple of years so you can balance your climbing, your guiding pursuit, your whatever you're doing? Do you
1: have other goals and all that? So my goal, because I've been, you know, a, a parent for the last twenty years, and I'm still going to continue to be a parent, but you know, hopefully my son is. going to continue to be independent and you know happily independent and if that's the case i have my personal goal is to see experience more places in the world climbing while i still can because i also don't take my health for granted right like after having gone through um, lyme's disease and having gone through breast cancer and
0: Oh, I didn't realize. Yes,
1: yes. So that breast cancer was back in 2010. Um, And then, right, like, uh, I've been married twice. I lost my second husband. So, like, I kind of have gone through many stages of life with climbing as a young person, as a you know, married person, as a new mother, as a widowed person, single mother, um, I'd like to really, um, experience climbing in this much more freer way. Interesting. So
0: for all, you went through all this life events, but yeah. climbing is still with you the whole it's time. It's still
1: with it's... me, and right now I choose to make climbing the center of my life because for the last 20 years, it couldn't be, right? I just couldn't mm-hmm. make it um, the center of my life. So then what, what do you look at climbing?
0: What do you see in climbing that's important to you?
1: Um... The most important really is like the way I get to experience the outdoor with other very fun people. You know, it's super simple, but that is kind of the, the bottom of it. Um, I love the uh, thoughtfulness of climbing. Climbing for me is like just as potent of a mental practice and a spiritual practice as, as yoga. Right, because you have to be present, you have to be honest, otherwise, it's it could be disastrous. Um, It requires you to be uh, uh, kind of very healthy, right? And so, then when I feel like I'm connected to my own body, I can connect to life and the engagement of life better right like you you need health to enjoy life fully for sure um so for me climbing is a bit of a spiritual practice it's a bit of a creative practice i love the the movements in climbing um i am a movement geek mm mm-hmm. you know so really my, um, I love watching people climb. I also love feeling my body climb and I love instructing movements, you know, and, you know, today there's just like so many amazing, right? Climbing coaches that nobody needs another me, but at a, at a very, um, uh, kind of a much more everyday person level, I can instruct movement really well. And that to me is very empowering, right? Because the practice of yoga is first about connecting with your body first, right? So if you can be like kind, compassionate, loving to self, it becomes easy to be kind, compassionate, loving to the world around you. And kind of climbing is like the same, if you think about it. Right, Mm -hmm. you don't want to like be a self-flagellating climber because that just becomes climbing. Then is like no fun. Right. Yes. Hmm. So I know that there are a lot of like
0: retreat or trip that they combine climbing and yoga together. Have you ever thought about like doing something like that?
1: I've done one actually before, long before COVID. I done I I've done a climbing yoga retreat. Um, back in 2016, I think. It was great fun. I think one day, maybe if the opportunity should arise, I would love to do um, trips that incorporate, you know, not only climbing and not only yoga, but a much more spiritual aspect of it. Because to me, again, climbing and yoga is is kind of spiritual. It is spiritual, and
0: so, and what do you see? These two disciplines complement each other. Then you you share a lot of their similarities. Yeah, and, and what are the differences? They kind of complement each other.
1: The differences. Um... On many levels, right? Like, they're very complementary, but, like, let's say on a very basic level, uh, climbing is more pulling, and, like, yoga is more pushing. So it's very mm. complementary that way for the body. When I'm climbing and I decide to skip out on the yoga, I always kind of end up getting injured. Vice versa. when it's I'm, like the yin-yang. It, it really possibly. is. Yeah, when I'm doing... Too much yoga and not getting time to climb, I start injuring in different ways. So for me, they've always been hand in hand. Um, uh, In in yoga, you get to practice the art of being present in a very safe environment. Right, you're not going to fall off of your mat. I mean, you might fall on your face, but the consequences are not high. You get to practice being present there. And then in climbing, you get to actually put into uh, work the thing that you've been practicing in yoga. It's like this art of staying present with a lot of other distracting conditions, right? Because you can be scared. Uh, there's and the weather wind. can change. Yes. There's you're maybe not feeling as confident as you were the day before. Oh, dang it. You forgot that one, you know, that extra set of number two that you wish you had, but you don't. There's just so many things, and you still have to learn to be keep it together and be present. And
0: what did you mean by? You know if you if the chance presents itself you want to have a trip that's not just yoga and climbing
1: but in a more spiritual level can you elaborate yeah. yeah Okay so I've never publicly like said this to people but I do have an end goal and that is to have these trips where we use the outdoor vehicle and the, the climbing as a vehicle for connecting and having these um discussions around maybe life or around relationships or I don't want it to sound you know for it to be therapy necessarily but essentially it's a way for people to connect deeper and I think that um because Climbing tends to be very leveling, right? At some point, you know, you can't fake it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you really do come face-to-face with your fears or some, a situation. Um, so I would love to be able to get um, people together, kind of in a you know maybe it's a campfire discussion or a post you know at the end of the day discussion where we actually get to explore different um subjects right so and it could be a subject around you know mental health or the health of the relationships in your life whether it's family or with your partner um yeah, and I think that that leveling aspect of climbing is is very valuable to that, right? You can get, let, let's say, for example, you know, you can take a, a, a high-powered CEO and a, um, right, maybe like a, another accountant and a, maybe a yoga teacher and put them in a day of climbing and at the end of the day, they're just them, like yeah,
0: I, I think it's beautiful because it's, it's kind of your, uh, maybe I should not say goal, but your vision yeah. of your guiding. Yes. Right? Yes. Because guiding is not just, say, summit a mountain right. or finishes multi-page right. or technical skills, but it, it can be a deeper Yeah.
1: Level. Like for me, the point of climbing is to connect to yourself, right? And then in the in the meantime, you get to connect with others and you get to connect with nature. So there's just so many advantages to really being able to, like, reside fully in your body, mind, and spirit, mm. right? Nice. And so I'd really like to use the vehicle of outdoors and climbing so that others can experience that. And so that, right, like, when, I think when we come to that place of connecting to self and, you know, then it's also easy to step into other people's shoes and go, you know what? Oh, I I get that we're different, but I see where you're coming from. Or um, I just feel like we're so disconnected. Maybe this is going off on a tangent. I, we're so disconnected today. Nobody wants to listen to anybody, but like, put people around something that takes them out of their normal, right? Habitat and their normal way of thinking. And let's see if we can explore things together, you know? So Definitely. that's, that's like my, my end goal that I've never really like,
0: well, I mean, you got <laughs> out in the universe. <laughs> well, but you got to start with somewhere. Maybe your first step is share with our listeners. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it, probably going to happen and so to
1: be truthful this guiding thing for me is more of a research into interesting yes um, the type of people that come the type of people that cannot come cannot afford it like you know is there a way for me to be able to offer this to people who can and who are willing to pay so that i can turn around and take some of that and invite people who can't, you know, and um, kind of bridge that gap a little bit, you know. I, I'd i really love to do something like that. Again, my, you know, kind of at my age, my uh, very physical guiding days are probably not realistic. But if I know the business, I can facilitate that. I see.
0: Yeah, I mean, people certainly come and hire a guy for very many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think it could be time to think guiding in a non traditional way or the non, you know, it's not just
1: about summiting, I would say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and Mm -hmm. I think at the moment, that's where, uh, right, the guiding business is. But um, I think there are people out there who might be willing to explore more. Yeah, and then who might be willing to pay
0: for more, right? I would say so because right now for guiding, when people think about guiding, it's about, well, um, have a fun day climbing some objective mm-hmm. or a skill acquisition to learn and then so maybe they can be more confident on their personal climbing. But then... I think guiding, because the word guide can be, you no know, guidance or guiding can mean so many different things. And I think it's worth to explore the possibilities. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'd really love to um, explore a little bit beyond just the, right, the physical doing of it, you know. And for most people that I've spoken with, you know, sure, climbing a rock is fun, but what is the true funness about it? It's because they feel like they have touched an edge and explored a part of themselves that and and confronted a part of themselves that um, was really uncomfortable. but then they survived, and not only did they survive, but they had a great time or well, they didn't have a great time. they were scared, but they also felt safe. and so next time that opportunity comes again. They would be willing to, you know, touch that edge again and be in that place of discomfort. I mean, that is all such a very spiritual practice, you For know? For sure. Yeah, I so. mean, if
0: something that happened, I would like to be involved too. I mean, yeah. It's, it's like pretty fun practice. <laughs> let's do it. And then, uh so maybe, you know, some of our listeners, you know, might also have some like other ideas. Yeah. So let's yeah. see if...
1: People want to find you and connect with you. So what's the best way? Um, They can reach me via Instagram. I have an Instagram account. It's Selena, S-E-L-E-N-A underscore Pang, P-A-N-G. Okay, I'll definitely put it on my show notes and make sure that people can find you and connect with you. I'm not the best in social media. I kind of try but um you know i i do check that uh you know i get messages through instagram a lot so i check that regularly not obsessively but you know every i mean for several days we (laughs) like to
0: to be connected but we don't want to be obsessed yeah 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 Okay. yeah, thank you so much yeah, for that was um, fun. this conversation. I, I I have fun and I like your beautiful vision. Oh, thank you. And hopefully I'm, something, hopefully this is a seed. I That's mean, definitely. Because I've been thinking about guiding a lot myself and mm-hmm. I feel that you certainly can do a lot more, maybe like branch out a little yeah. bit, do a lot more with this profession.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. So it's not just the same old. Same old. Yeah, yes. why not think about it a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. You know, and at the very worst, you know, we try a few retreats and it's like, okay, this isn't working. But, you Dang. know, one of the things, I, I just want to add, there's look, one of the things that like my, so so my, my grandfather was an immigrant to Japan from China, right? And apparently his business had um, not worked out Seven times before the eighth one actually stuck. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. So, you know, the thing that that teaches me is that, like, failures are not failures until you've quit. They're just kind of research. I mean, it's actually what climbing is about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you kind of, you know, I, I don't expect this to... Right? Like, I have to kind of test it out and actually start doing it so Mm -hmm. that it can evolve into something that really is. um... I like that research,
0: experiment, and research, Mm -hmm. and then you modify a little bit and try again. Yeah.
1: So, modify our beta and try again. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that was so fun. Thank you so much. Thank you
0: so much. We'll we'll make sure that our dream comes true.